Well, hey everyone, and welcome to day number 18, episode number 18 of our Book of Acts video teaching series, which we're calling Christ in the Crisis. Today, Wednesday, May 13th, 2020. So, uh, boy, maybe you've gotten outside and looked at some of the beautiful weather. Uh, I just did a little little run of uh, groceries, so maybe you've been able to get out, do some gardening, maybe go for a walk or a run or something, but try and get some fresh air uh, while maintaining, of course, all that physical distancing. I see a lot of people with masks today, more so than normal, and um, so interesting to just see things develop, and I trust that you are all well. Uh, it's a couple of you watching online live right now. Let me know who you are. Send me some feedback. Uh, let me check my volumes. Yeah, they're looking good. Good. Okay. I <laughs> always have to do that. And I encourage you to share this feed with others as we journey together through the Bible's book of Acts, a great book in the New Testament to show real people in really difficult circumstances and how they grew in their walk with Jesus, even when Jesus was gone, at least physically gone. But we see these people walk in the power and action of the Holy Spirit and grow as disciples. And 2,000 year, years later, the same is true for us. We can walk and grow in God through Jesus and the person of the Holy Spirit. So, uh, the message is still available today for all all people. Um, so we are in the book of Acts, and now we're moving into chapter 10. And I would remind you once again that you will be quizzed on the 31st. Here it comes. Yeah, on the 31st of May, Sunday, the day of Pentecost, we will have an electronic quiz. Uh, it's on the internet. You need one device to watch the questions through a Zoom call and another device to answer them, sort of like a joystick. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We did this at the end of our Easter series and people had a blast playing it together. So we're going to do that on the 31st of May. Uh, for sure, our movie theater location will not be open by the end of May, so we are going to do it online, and the winner gets a brand new iPad shipped to their house from me, okay? And so a lot of incentive there. Uh, it's a really nice prize, so keep tracking with us, and let's keep growing together. This is Acts chapter 10. We are on the heels of a remarkable miracle by Peter, where he raises someone from the dead, in very suspiciously similar manner to what Jesus did in the Gospels. And once again, we see the apostles, the early believers, uh, uh, walking in the way that Jesus walked and doing some of the things that he did. Of course, they're not Jesus. They're not little gods walking around. But in the power of the Spirit that resided within them, uh, they did these things, and uh, they did them often. Uh, didn't always happen, didn't always work. Uh, I don't believe that every single time the disciples prayed for something to happen, that it happened. And you can see as you read the New Testament, there were times where God did not do uh, those miraculous things and those signs and wonders, even in the life of Paul. 
And as I've said before, it's remarkable how when Paul writes, he writes very little about the miracles that he actually performed. Um, so there's a greater uh, lesson. It's not about miracles or no miracles. It's about being conformed to the likeness and character of Jesus. So here we pick the story up in Acts chapter 10. And you're about to see in Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11 a very, very significant moment in the life of the early church where they realize that God wants non-Jewish people to be saved. Now, you may be watching this and listen, or listening to this and thinking, duh, well, back then in the first century, this was not a fully comprehended concept. We're dealing largely with a Jewish context, and so for them to understand that God wanted non-Jewish people saved was a stretch for them. You do see this in the Old Testament. You do see passages where it's clear that God wants non-Jewish people. I'm thinking of the book of Jonah and the Assyrians and the love of God demonstrated toward even of all people, the Assyrians. We see things in the major prophets about how God wants Gentiles. That's non-Jewish people as well. Uh, but the fact is that back then, the biggest controversy that we see in the book of Acts is that God wants non-Jewish people. Now, the church worldwide is composed mostly today of non-Jewish people. There are a few Jewish people, uh, or, or relatively speaking, that are part of the, the church. Uh, I'm one of them uh, by birth and by ethnicity. Um, but uh, the majority of the church worldwide is is not Jewish by ethnicity or anything. They're Gentile. And probably you who are watching or listening are. So you have to put yourself back in their shoes back then. They did not think this way. Uh, we do. And here we see a really, really cool um, event happening. Um, at Caesarea, we're told of a man by the name of Cornelius. He is a soldier. He's a centurion uh, in what's known as the Italian Regiment. Uh, we're told an important detail about him in verse 2 that him and his family were devout and God-fearing, and they gave generously to those in need, and they prayed to God regularly. But they are not followers of Jesus. These would be Gentiles, and at times Gentiles would, would adopt uh, the Jewish uh, uh, God, and they would become fearers of, of Yahweh. They would pray uh, they would give generously, and they would become very respected in Jewish circles because of their worship of Yahweh. And this man was one of them, and he was respected by the Jewish people. We'll see that later. And uh, about three in the afternoon, we're told, and that's our time, um, he has a vision. And uh, he sees an angel of God, we're told, who calls to him by name, he answers, and the angel says, Your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. And he gives him very specific instructions. Send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. Remember, we saw him at the end of chapter 9. He's staying with another Simon, Simon the Tanner. Simon's a very common name in the first century Middle East. 
Uh, so Simon, go, go get Simon Peter, who's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. It's interesting because a tanner would be working with dead animal skin all the time, which was considered unclean. And yet you see Peter, a Jewish man, spending time with him. Hmm, that's a clue. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius calls two of his servants and a devout soldier uh, who was one of his attendants, and he says, go to Joppa. And uh, he wants to obey this divine vision that he saw. Um, interesting uh, lesson right away. He is not what we would call a Christian at this point. He's a God-fearing Gentile, uh, but he does not know anything about Jesus. He's not a follower of Jesus. And yet he prays and gives and uh, he has God's attention. And uh, God answers, and God is going to set something up here. So uh, about noon the following day, we're told, as as these men are on their way to uh, get Simon Peter from Joppa, Peter goes up on the roof, presumably, of Simon the Tanner's house to pray. And he becomes hungry. He wants something to eat. While the meal's being prepared, we're told that he falls into some sort of a trance, and he sees a vision. So you get divine visions and supernatural things happening here uh, uh, in, in what seems to be a very common uh, uh, fashion. So he sees heaven open, and he sees a large sheet that's let down to the earth by its four corners of the sheet. And what he sees on it, essentially, are a bunch of non-kosher animals. Um, and the voice says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, no, I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice speaks to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. It happens three times. And then the sheet goes back up into heaven. And then Peter presumably wakes up and wonders, what does this mean? So a whole bunch of things right away. He's say, staying in the house of a tanner, which he really shouldn't have done, but he did. He has a vision, essentially, about kosher food. And he's being told in this vision to eat uh, non-kosher food. That's why he says, uh, I have not eaten anything that's unclean. Eating those animals in that vision would have violated all of the dietary laws of the uh, of the Torah, of in particular, the book of Leviticus. So... Uh, the, this is what he's being told to do in the vision. He says, no, no, don't call anything impure that God has made clean. You're going to see that this is with reference to Cornelius, the God-fearing Gentile. And so while Peter's thinking about this, the Holy Spirit says to him, Simon, there's men who are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs. Don't hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Notice there. Uh, he hears the voice there of the Holy Spirit in a very, very natural fashion. So Peter uh, goes down to meet these men who have arrived at the house, presumably Simon the Tanner's house. He asks, why have you come? And they tell them why. Cornelius the centurion, he's a righteous, a God-fearing man. He's respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house. Uh, uh, holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Peter invited the men in to be his guests, and the next day they start out and they head to Cornelius' house. 
uh, and they even bring some some uh, followers of Jesus from Joppa along with them. They arrive the following day in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and calls together his relatives and close friends. He This is a big event in the life of Cornelius. Uh, Peter enters the house. Cornelius meets him, falls at his feet in reverence. Peter says, get up. I'm a man, only a man myself. And then he goes inside, finds a large gathering of people. He's got his little crowd there. And he says to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. In other words, I'm a Jew, Cornelius. You and all these people around you are Gentiles. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. That's the vision that Peter had. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Wow, incredible. You've got this, this, uh, this leader of the early church that is essentially all Jewish at the time, uh, Peter, in the home of Cornelius, the God-fearing Gentile with his members of his family, uh, all these Gentile people, and and Peter and he's got some Jewish believers there from Joppa and they're the two of them two groups of people in the same house and Cornelius is going to say three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour I mean he was he's a God-fearing but non-Christian person at this point praying you see God answers him suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me tells him the story Cornelius, God has heard your prayer, remembered your gifts, and so on. He recounts the story. So I sent for you immediately, Peter. Now, we are all here, Peter, in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. So Peter has a, an attentive audience. Now, I'm going to stop there for today, and we'll pick up the rest tomorrow. But the lesson here, when non-Christian people who fear God and who are seeking God, are calling out to God, God answers. God responds. And God is not just interested in one kind of group of people. He wants all men, women, children, everywhere to be saved. He wants all mankind to be saved. And uh, he responds when people call out to him who don't even know his name. And here... God arranges this, all these pieces of the puzzle, and you will see what happens when Peter opens his mouth uh, and, and starts to speak. A remarkable thing happens in the life of Cornelius and the other people who are there attentively listening to every word that Peter will say. Never forget, God responds to people everywhere who call upon him. And he responds in many, many different ways. His ultimate goal is to bring people to Jesus. So maybe you're a follower of Jesus on the other end of this camera. What are you doing to spread that message? What are you doing to, to even in this time, um, uh, use whatever tools you have to spread the message of Christ to other people, the hope of salvation to other people. I hope you're sharing this feed. I hope that you will join us uh, Sunday morning at 11. We're going to talk about the crisis of persecution uh, and make reference there to the power of the Holy Spirit. 
as well. And that'll be at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning right here on Facebook Live. So God bless you, and I look forward to being with you again tomorrow. Have a great day.